welcome to Want to Grow On, a show where we dig into questions about agriculture and try to understand how food production impacts us and our world. My name is Hallie Casey, and I studied and currently work in agriculture. And I'm Chris Casey, Hallie's dad. Each episode, we pick an area of agriculture or food production to discuss. And this week, we're talking about food rescue with Jess Palmer. This week, we have Jess Palmer, who is a programs coordinator with Keep Austin Fed here in our hometown, and I'm so excited to have her on. Welcome to the show, Jess. Thanks, you guys. I'm really happy to be here. I mean, I think the first thing that everyone is wondering, the obvious question is, why does food need to be rescued? Um, Well, food needs to be rescued because actually there's a lot of food going to waste. I think people may not realize it, but in this country, we waste 40% of the food that is grown and processed. And that can be kind of hard to visualize. But if you think about going out and buying a pizza and you come home and you immediately throw away three slices, that's perfectly good food but it's getting tossed. And a lot of that food that is getting wasted is happening at home. Um, but there's still a significant amount that's wasted at larger uh, distribution points, like like grocery stores and restaurants. Um, and so that's where Keep Austin Fed comes in. Um, we are based here in Austin, Texas, and um, we're just a local food recovery nonprofit with the mission of diverting that edible surplus food from the landfill and redistributing it to people who are food insecure um, in our communities. Now, see, that's the kind of guest you want to have on a podcast is when you ask a dumb question (laughs) that's supposed to sound funny (laughs) and they give you a real answer that's perfect. I may have I may have given away the whole the all my answers for the whole interview now. Yeah, we're done. Oh, short, short, yeah. short, short and over. there we go. That's it. That's the show. <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit about? I'm really curious, like what a day in your work looks like. Like, how does that function? Yeah, well, it's interesting because my title is programs coordinator with an S, and that's because there's a lot of logistics and coordination that goes into the programming of food rescue. And so we are a heavily volunteer-oriented organization. So we have around 200 active volunteers, and they all donate their time, their cars, and the gas to go pick up the surplus food and drive it to the recipient organizations to drop off. So there's no middlemen. I mean, there's, yeah, there's no middlemen. Um, you know, food is getting picked up and directly taken to a recipient organization. So, you know, a lot of, a lo- there's a lot that goes into coordinating that kind of stuff. We have a schedule of food pickups that volunteers can register for. And those runs happen on a weekly basis. Um, I think right now we have about 75 food runs every week that we have filled by our volunteers. And so there's a lot of volunteer coordination, both sort of corresponding with current volunteers and then also familiarizing new volunteers with how we work. There's managing the food run schedule. We use a platform called GivePulse um, that was actually developed here in Austin, too. But we use them as our volunteer database and our scheduling platform. So there's always some kind of data data management to be done. And and also, on, on you know, we have to have places who are contributing food and places to bring that food. So we're always reaching out to new places to see if they are interested in 
donating food, if they're interested in receiving food. Um, and so then there, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into onboarding those new partners. So that's, that's sort of the basic of our scheduled runs. There's, there's more on top of that too, because we can go into unscheduled food runs. <laughs> <laughs> so peek behind the curtain for listeners. That's actually how Jess and I met was mm-hmm. I, I was running a program that involved food and she sent me a very polite email asking if we had any surplus that we'd like to donate. <laughs> That's right, yep. And I was like immediately, I'd known a little bit about Keep Austin Fed, but I, but I didn't know that much about it. And actually I did not realize until I was preparing for this interview that one of my sister's best friend's moms apparently helped start Keep Austin Fed. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Austin is such a small town. Like people always talk about how like big and growing it is, but also it's very small. Yes, it is. You know, um, I'm from central Texas. I, I grew up in the very rural hill country, but I went to college outside of Austin and lived here for a little while and then left in 2005 and then just came back last year. Um, but it's, so it's interesting, like the city has totally changed, but there's still pockets and like, I mean, I'm running, I, when we first moved back, I, um, was like running into college acquaintances in the grocery store. (laughs) So yeah, that happens to me all the time. And it's so weird because it's like this massive town of like millions of people and you just, it's like, it feels like a tiny town. Yep. It does. So how, how did you end up getting into this stuff? It's well, it's, it's pretty, honestly, I kind of fell into food systems work. And I haven't done food access work for a long time. This is actually the first time I have worked in food insecurity and food access. Um, You know, my background is actually more in natural resources management. I have a bachelor's in environmental studies. And then I went to the University of Michigan for a master's in natural resources, um, really focusing on land restoration. But food and agriculture is has really always had a role in my life. I, like I mentioned, I grew up in rural Texas and I was 45 minutes from the nearest ATB. Um, we grew up with, like many of our neighbors, we grew up with a really big garden that helped feed us in the summers. And I was, um, and, and I carried that with me too. Like I, every place that I've lived, I've always found a way to put in a backyard garden somewhere. And um, throughout school, I was working for student groups that ran community gardens on campuses and then things like that. And also I just, I just really love to cook. Um, so um, really I, I eventually landed a position at a land trust in central Virginia about 10 years ago. And I started out there coordinating their local food branding and marketing program and um, eventually turned it into a farm and food program that focused on things like strengthening farmer access to land and capital and training and and market access. Um, So I was there for, yeah, about nine years. And then we moved to Austin for a change of scenery and work. And I started working for Keep Austin Fed. And it's actually, it's been really exciting to work on sort of the opposite end of the food system spectrum. Um, There's, there's a lot there's a lot in food access and food insecurity to, for me to learn. That is so cool. So can you tell me like some of the organizations that you've been working with since you started working in food access? Yeah. Um, I mean, we work with a wide range of organizations, mm-hmm. actually. And 
um, on the food contributor side, um, like I like I mentioned, you know, food waste happens at every point of food distribution, but we're really focused on the larger scale and um, more not necessarily individuals. So we're working mm-hmm. with places like grocery stores, um, you know, Trader Joe's, Whole Foods, HEB. Um, we also work with a lot of restaurants, um, occasionally with caterers. That's a little bit different now because of the pandemic. Um, and then smaller cafes and bakeries. And really, we'll talk to anybody who has surplus food that they want to donate rather than toss. And actually, I wanted to mention that when we talk about surplus food, I want to be really clear that we are not out there dumpster diving. (laughs) We are actually, we are picking up perfectly edible food, food that um, may be close to an expiration date or it's just left over and anybody would be happily willing to eat it. So I just wanted to, to make sure that everybody understood that this is, this is perfectly good food that we're picking up um, and redistributing. So yeah, tangent, but um, we're important, but important. important yes. Um, so that's really who we're working with um, on the contributor side. And then on the recipient side, we, we don't uh, distribute directly to individuals. Um, we work with nonprofits who provide services to their clients. So we will work with places like foundation communities. They provide affordable housing and we donate food to them and they distribute it to their clients. Uh, Other places like family elder care facilities that work with seniors, uh, support organizations for folks facing homelessness, domestic abuse shelters, refugee service organizations, addiction recovery homes. I mean, we will work really with a bunch of food pantries. We'll work with them. You know, we as long as if you're a nonprofit and you're uh, serving food to, to clients for free, then we're able to, um, you know, try to find a way to work you into our schedules. So and right now we work with about 30 to 40 food contributors and about 50 recipient organizations. Yeah. On, and that's on a, on a weekly basis. So, wow. yeah, yeah, uh, I agree. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a lot of people you're working with. So now I'm wondering mm-hmm. how much food is it that you're sending through this, you know, supply chain that you have set up? Yeah. So I, last year in 2019, um, we distributed uh, just over 800,000 pounds of surplus wow. food. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and that equals out to like, uh, it's like 13,000 meals per week that our volunteers wow. are dis- redistributing to, to folks in need in the Austin area. How many volunteers do you guys have that like run this every day or every week? Yeah, we have probably around 200 active volunteers. Wow. Um, you know, and, you know, people take breaks or, um, they, people come back on and offline. So, um, it just, it just really depends. But I mean, our volunteers are why we can do what we do. Um, I just, they are the heart and soul of this organization. Um, last year they made 3,500 food runs to distribute all those, that 800,000 pounds of food, um, but I mean, yeah, they are the reason we we do what we do, and they're so dedicated. 
They really are. I mean, we have folks who um, they adopt food runs and they are there every week uh, at the same time, same day to pick up food from one place and take it to another. That is so cool. So how has Keep Austin Fed always had this many volunteers? How is it like? Yeah, no, it hasn't. We actually started in 2004. Um, and our founder is a man named Randy Rosens, and he was at a, um, I think he was at a fundraising event and um, noticed that the food that was being catered for the event was going to get tossed. And he was like, no, thank you. That's not going to happen. Um, and so he, re- he rescued the food right there from the event and delivered it to a woman's shelter in South Austin. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of how Keep Austin Fed was born. You know, they, um, it's just a small group of folks who felt that this was really important and they wanted to, um, you know, make sure that people could get involved in, in doing food rescue and redistribution. So over the last 16 years, we've gone from that small group of folks to a nonprofit with two paid staff, um, uh, and this really giant group of volunteers. That's amazing. Yep. Yes. I have like, I have so many questions that I'm trying to like figure <laughs> out which one to ask. I think my first question, and I, I think I know some of the answers to this, but I would love to hear like the actual answer is like, I guess it, it makes sense if it's a catering event, mm. but most of the organizations you're talking about, like this rescue from mm are like for-profit companies who are trying to make a profit. So how does it make sense for a company to throw food out? Well, I mean, I think part of it is some folks just want to give back to the community. And if they know that they're going to be tossing food, but there's another outlet for it through us. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the places that we work with are, um, you know, smaller caterers and food uh, places that just, you know, want to, want to give back. And, um, also I think too, you know, we have, a in Austin, it's, uh, you know, you have to pay to have composting material picked up. So it's a way for them to cut down on the amount of food that, that is getting thrown yeah. out. That, that totally makes sense. But I just, I wonder if the food is, is edible and it's perfectly fine, then why is it getting tossed out in the first place, whether it's being composted or given to KF? I was going to say, I used to work at a, at a bakery mm-hmm. and, you know, they'd make pastries every morning and they wouldn't necessarily sell them all. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the day, you know, we'd have to throw them all out, all the ones that we didn't sell. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, people would call us for donations and then they could come pick up what was left in the event that we had any left. But that wasn't every day. And so, you know, sometimes, you know, we take a couple home, but most of the time we just tossed everything out. Yeah. And, and again, like I mentioned, the, the food is, is perfectly edible. It just may be close to expiration date. And then a lot, a lot of the grocery stores, it, it's, I think with the grocery stores, it's more about uh, nearing expiration date and, you know, just when they're getting new shipments of, of food in and having to make space. Yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Dad, can I tell you about Nikki? Who is Nikki? Nikki, with a K, is an extremely cool underwear brand, and I 
am absolutely obsessed with their underwear. It is so comfy. They make their undies from organic fair trade cotton. They ship everything in 100% plastic free packaging. They're totally committed to earth-friendly practices across the entire supply chain. They're extraordinarily comfortable. They have tons of different cuts, sizes, and this is the coolest thing. They even have a first-of-its-kind recycling program where you can mail like old undies to them that are no longer functioning as undies as they should be, and then they will recycle them and make them into new things. I mean, I don't think they want my old undies, but that sounds pretty cool. They can recycle them into something new for the planet. Well, that's great. Extremely cool. If you want to check out these really awesome undies, you can use the code GROWON at checkout for 10% off. That's K-N-I-C-K-E-Y and use the code GROWON at checkout for 10% off. K-N-I-C-K-E-Y. Oh, man, that is amazing spelling. I love that. Thank you. I worked very hard on learning to spell when I was a child. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, I love the way they spell their name. That's very clever. Oh, yes. Yeah, no, that's also great. It's great. You know who else is great? Is our patrons. Yes. Especially our Starfruit patrons, Vikram, Lindsay, Mama Casey, Patrick, and Cheyenne. Cheyenne, and also our newest patron, Jessica. Thank you guys so much for your support of the show. You absolutely make our world go round. If you, listener, are interested in learning more about Patreon and the tiers that we have, you can go to patreon.com slash one to grow on pod. We do lots of cool and fun stuff over there, and we just have a blast. You can listen to outtakes, you can get extra research and bonus content, all of it at patreon.com slash one to grow on pod. Back to the episode. Back to the episode. So you mentioned that you have this massive fleet of, I think you said 200 volunteers. Yes. And I'm wondering what your perspective is on why people, I mean, that's that's a huge amount of volunteers for a nonprofit with only like two employees. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering what your perspective is on why people are so excited and compelled by KAF's work and mission. I, I mean, from conversations that I've had with volunteers, you know, being able to do some do something like this. I mean, you can do a food run in easily less than an hour. Um, you know, we have it set up to where our pickup locations and our delivery locations are pretty close to each other, um, and we've gone through. You know, tr- not necessarily trainings, but we've gone through uh, an overview with both the contributors and the recipient organizations about how everything's going to work. So everyone's pretty well versed on on what a food pickup and drop off is going to entail. And so I think that part of the main a lot of it is because that in a really short period of a time, a volunteer can pick up, especially if you're at like a grocery store, you can pick up hundreds of pounds of surplus food and take it to a group of people who don't know where their next meal is coming from. And I, and I think it's really about understanding how food connects us and that by, you know, their actions, they're able to help provide nourishment to our neighbors. And 
and really it just comes down to like, it feels good. It feels good to be able to give back to our community like that. I, I love that. Yeah. In, in such an impactful way as well. Right. Yeah. And it, cause a lot of times this food isn't, you know, it's not going to be going somewhere and sitting like it's going to be eaten that day or, you know, the next morning when you drop it off, like it's, it's not going to sit around and you're not going to have to wonder where it went or if it got eaten, like it, it will, it will be eaten. We've talked about food waste and food loss on the show before. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is one of the things that, that just, I don't know what it is, but it just like aches at this like inner part of people when they think about the food system. Like that is one thing that especially like people who are really conscious of the climate mm-hmm. and and conscious of, you know, how we're going to be feeding people in the future. Mm-hmm. It just like, it just like, you know, tugs at you. You're like, how are we wasting this food? <laughs> right. I don't know what it is, but it's just like there's something internal that just drives you kind of crazy about it. And I just, I think your mission is so cool. Yeah, and I mean, I think too, like that's something that I feel is really important right now that, um, we're having, and it's largely because of this pandemic that we're just having a larger national conversation about food access and food insecurity. You know, we, um, like we're hearing more and more about individuals and families falling into food insecurity. I mean, we've all seen the photos of thousands of cars lined up for a food pantry distribution. And, you know, there's multitudes of articles about families struggling to put food on the table. And like, it's really distressing to see that kind of suffering. Right. And, and I think having this kind of topic move, move into the spotlight. I mean, it makes me hopeful that this conversation continues because, you know, food insecurity wasn't, it it was here before the pandemic and it will be here after the pandemic. It's a complex problem and it's, it's tied to a lot of other things. You know, it doesn't work in a silo you know, it's, it's tied to things like affordable housing and income and transportation. And, you know, like you, it's so big, but, you know, maybe with this, with a larger conversation happening now and it kind of being in the forefront, um, you know, it's an, it's hopefully an opportunity to really tackle the issue. So despite the fact that Hallie has said, we're not doing any more COVID content, um, (laughs) how have you, how, how have you seen your operation changed or impacted in any new ways this year? Yeah, yeah, this year has definitely been been different. Um, and like I said, I actually started at Keep Austin Fed um, a year ago next week or two weeks from now. Okay. Um, so I had about four months under my belt before the pandemic hit. <laughs> um, but I mean, I've seen a lot of change just in you know, this amount of time that I've been at Keep Austin Fed. And a lot of it, you know, we've really had to pivot in terms of what kind of foods we're able to provide our recipients, um, mainly because things like large group dining or buffets or, you know, the general congregation of people has really stopped. Um, So, you know, we worked with, we would work with catering companies and just pick up large trays of food, of, you know, large catering size trays of food from them. And we could just go take it and drop it off to, you know, you know, we had a dozen different recipient organizations who we could go drop it off to. And we're not really able to do that anymore. There's a huge need for 
food that is grab and go, you know, individually packaged and very easy to distribute. So we're not creating groups of people hanging around together um, and eating. So yeah, I mean, that's been a really big change. And it's, it's um, interesting, too, because at the beginning of the year, we were starting a pilot project, um, the repacket project, where we were going to be bringing together um, high school, and college students with senior populations and having them work together to uh, take those large catered trays and uh, repackage it into this individual serving size meals. Um, so one, it's a volunteer opportunity. It's, you know, intergenerational. Um, and then also uh, the individual meals are generally easier for us to distribute to our recipient organizations. Um, but obviously that pro- that project got put on hold because of COVID. Um, so, you know, we've seen some changes in uh, the food that we're able to distribute, some of our programming. Um, we've also seen differences on in how we can bring on volunteers. Um, traditionally, we would have an in-person volunteer orientation where we kind of go through, um, we have a quick training session taught by one of our volunteer trainers, and then they would do a shadow food run. So this is basically uh, just doing, actually doing a food run together, um, going through uh, the boxes at Trader Joe's and divvying it out and then taking it to a recipient organization. But now we're, have to, we're having to do trainings online and forego that shadow food run. So, you know, that's definitely different. You're not getting as much, uh, we're not getting as much contact right now, I guess, with uh, the recipients and the contributing organizations and, and even with the volunteers. So those things have definitely changed. So with all the change that's been going on, is, you know, is there anything you see uh, that you're hopeful about or excited about? Yes. I mean, I am very, I'm excited. So even though we're, we have had to move our volunteer orientations and, and all this stuff to a virtual setting, I have been so excited to see the number of people who want to join us. Um, and start volunteering for Keep Austin Fed. Um, we were, you know, we probably at the end of the summer, we were, we started bringing on the virtual orientations and, you know, every single orientation we have, you know, there's nine, 10, 11 volunteers signed up to learn more about Keep Austin Fed and, um, you know, really excited to get involved in the work that we're doing. I also think too, um, and it's not necessarily food rescue work, but I am also very excited to see this renewed interest in backyard or like victory gardens. Um, Cause I think an opportunity for any opportunity for people to get their hands in the dirt is a good one. Um, even if it's, even if it's just a few container gardens and uh, just connecting people to how their food is grown is, is always a step in the right direction. And plus it's really great therapy right now. <laughs> Yes. Yes. I totally agree. That's that's how I got out my, like my initial pandemic angst was, you know, I, I uh, tackled a plot of my backyard and I was like, well, you get a little bit of sun, you're going to turn into a garden. (laughs) Yes. That's amazing. How's it been doing? It's doing great. Actually. It's, it's been really fun. We had lots of tomatoes and green beans over the summer. And now I have my little spinach and 
kale and things are popping up. So it's, it's great. I just, I love it. And it's really fun to introduce my kids to it as well. Oh my gosh. I love yeah. it. That's great. I love it so much. I've got my kale out front. <laughs> I live in like a small duplex with no backyard. And so my kale is out front for the, all the world there you to go. see. That's awesome. Stand it up straight. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So Jess, I'm curious, do you have any words of advice or wisdom for our listeners who might be wanting to take this idea of food rescue into their daily lives? Sure. And, and yes, definitely. Because, you know, like I mentioned before, too, like a lot of food waste happens in our kitchens. So how do we help combat all that food waste? Um, I think the number one thing folks can do is meal plan. And that's just a really great way to help you buy only what you know you're going to use. Um, And it cuts down on waste in your kitchen. You can also make sure that you're storing your food correctly because like not all fruits and vegetables should be refrigerated. If they are, where you put them in the fridge matters. And that knowing those kinds of things can help maximize the freshness and then also like reduce spoilage of that food. If you do have more food that you can eat, try finding ways to preserve it. You know, you could freeze it, you could dry it. You know, you don't necessarily need to toss an overripe banana. You could cut it up and freeze it for a smoothie or banana bread later. Um, You know, you can chop up herbs and freeze them in ice cubes so you can use them later. Um, Little things like that. You can also purchase ugly produce. Um, those imperfect fruits and vegetables um, so that they're not getting thrown out. This may be a little bit easier if you shop at a farmer's market and uh, vendors there will sometimes have those kinds of seconds fruits and vegetables that um, they'll sell for a lower cost and it's still fresh, healthy, edible food and, and it won't get thrown out. And you can always compost Either set one up at your home or if your city has a composting program like Austin does, make sure you have a bin. I don't think I've ever heard anyone in my life suggest that I should compost before. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yes, we talk about composting on the show almost every episode. I'm constantly trying to talk my dad into starting a home compost. (laughs) You have all different kinds of options, too. You just have, you know, compost or vermicomposting. You know, it could you could. Want to get some worms, you know? It's so fun. It's like a pet, but less worms. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and it doesn't love you back. <laughs> that is but a pretty good spin. You do. You still have to feed it, though. Yes, you do definitely Ooh. have to feed it. <laughs> well, Jess, thank you so much for your time today. Um, how can people support Keep Austin Fed, and where can they find you? Um, you can find us on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, you can go to our website, keepaustinfed.org. Um, and there you can learn all, you can learn more about us and you can learn how to become a volunteer and you can also uh, find our donate button on our website, which um, helps support our daily food pickups and our programming. Fabulous. Thank you so much. This was amazing. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Loved it. Thanks for listening to this episode of One to Grow On. This show is made by me, Hallie Casey, and Chris Casey. Our music is Something Elated by Broke for Free. If you'd like to connect with us, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at One to Grow On Pod. Or join our Discord and Facebook communities and leave us your thoughts on this episode. You can find all of our episodes and transcripts, as well as information about the team and the show, on our website, onetogrowonpod.com. 
Help us take root and grow organically by recommending the show to your friends or consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash one to grow on pod. There you can get access to audio extras, fascinating follow-ups, exclusive bonus content, and boxes of our favorite goodies. If you like the show, please share it with a friend. Sharing is the best way to help us reach more ears. Be sure to see what's sprouting in two weeks. But until then, keep on growing. <laughs>